This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Uh, again, if you have your Bibles, Matthew, uh, excuse me, Proverbs 29, 18. This is our part three, and um, I'm not going to review the one and two, but I will skim over it. One of the greatest uh, stories, I think, is in, found in Mark chapter 10, verse 46, and, uh, because blind Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was uh, in the vicinity. And blind Bartimaeus would sit around uh, begging for coins, but when he came into the uh, understanding that Jesus was nearby, he knew that he could receive more than just coins. And so he calls out, for Jesus to heal him, and Jesus does. One of the challenges for us as believers, and everything I say, even though I may not mention it, the underlying uh, principle is that we need to know Jesus, and, and as Jesus is in, living in our lives, he, uh, and maybe today's vernacular, embeds uh, the Holy Spirit living in us, the person of the Holy Spirit, and so the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us. Now, that may sound weird and strange for people who don't know, but uh, for those who do know and have experienced this, uh, it's, it's uh, not that unusual. It's, it's, it's common to hear the Holy Spirit speak to us. And so without vision, uh, the people perish. Blind Bartimaeus knew he couldn't see. And that's a challenge for us in our culture, that to recognize that we can't see. One of the best things that I found out in marriage is that the Lord used my wife to show me things that I couldn't see before. And so God would use my wife uh, in many ways throughout the years to speak into my life, things that I didn't know I had. And when we aren't aware, we are basically blind to those things that God is challenging us to begin to change in our lives. Of course, the first thing is that we need to know Jesus but there are certain things, these character traits that can uh, begin to embed themselves in our lives. And, and we talked about months before about the, the generational thing where we pick up the bad habits of our forefathers and, and it could have multiple generation effect. I never got to know my grandparents really, or my, especially my great-grandparents, never knew them. But it would be interesting to know uh, what kind of people they were. But I was blinded to a lot of things, and I began to ask the Lord to give me a vision. A vision is not, uh, we're not here talking about a physical uh, destination. Usually when you hear this, uh, without vision, the people perish. Uh, and I've used the example we showed you, there's a map, you know, like you're just going to, uh, without a plan, uh, you're not going to get to your destination. I'm not necessarily talking about a destination where you physically arrive somewhere. I imagine those principles would work outside the, the spiritual realm. But without a plan, you're not going to get to your destination. But I'm not talking about getting to Pensacola or to Orlando or Miami. I'm talking about our spiritual destination. That God created us to be all that he designed us to be. I, we had some teachers in the, in the, in the audience. And, and I imagine they talk to students all the time that are not living up to their capacity. We have a football coach here. I can imagine that you've... Uh, Michael have had players that are not living up to their capacity. They, they have the ability, but for some reason, not the drive or the understanding or something's lacking. They're not going to reach their capacity if they don't get with the program. 
And the same thing happens with us as believers is that uh, we can um, dwarf ourselves in our spiritual journey with Jesus and not reach that capacity that God has designed us for. It's kind of like a boat that just sits in the harbor, uh, beautiful boats. One time I was in West Palm Beach, and I've, those, I saw some beautiful boats. I'm from Sarasota, which is a very rich county, very rich county. The difference between Sarasota and Tallahassee is pretty vast financially. The difference between Sarasota and West Palm Beach is the same vastness. It's just, it's a whole different kind of money in West Palm Beach. And I saw these beautiful boats just sitting in the harbor. Now, I imagine those boats had gone out, but can you imagine a boat that has all this capacity to reach certain destinations but never leaves the harbor? And so when we have no vision spiritually, it's like we have been given this gift of our lives. God has given us the gift of life, and he's destined us and designed us to be all that we can be in his glory, but we never venture out. We never step out. We don't have any vision. And so... Uh, I believe spiritually we can have some, uh, has some perishing capacities if we don't follow the Lord's will. Without vision, the people perish. And so again, we're not talking about a physical uh, destination, but a spiritual destination. We have some scientists in the room, and I imagine that if you're not careful with your calculations, you're not going to get to uh, your, your desired result. I can think of a, a picture I once saw, I won't show it to you, but a bridge where two construction companies were working and they were planning to meet in the middle and, and they were off uh, by a few feet. And a bridge that's off by a few feet is it's not a good bridge. And so uh, when we're not aware of our blindness, we're not aware of our situation, like blind Bartimaeus knew that he was blind. He knew he needed Jesus. He knew he needed to see. He was, um, he was committed to, I believe, to seeing, especially when he came encounter with Jesus. Prior to Jesus, I think he settled in to his weakness and was willing to just accept the, the loose coins that he would get daily. When we're not reaching our destination, and we're not allowing God to change us and mold us in a way that will bring him the greatest glory. I use the example of a boat that, that uh, was missing its, its keel. Can you imagine a boat that did not have a sailboat that did not have a, a keel? It's that character development. That's why character matters in a believer's life. Because we don't know what kind of storm we're going to find ourselves in. And without a keel, you're just going gonna to perish. You're going to just skim across that water. And, cr- and crash. If you don't have that, that character that God has destined you to have. One of the biggest challenges we, I, when I deal with young people is, it's like, what kind of person do you want to be in 20 years? What kind of spiritual person do you want to be in 20 years? I, I did a marriage class a few weeks ago in South Carolina, and I said, can you imagine, you know, we talked about it last week, what kind of person will you be if some calamity were to happen in your life? What kind of person? You remember I told you about my friend Dick Schroeder where his wife had a, um, an accident. She was a quadriplegic. What kind of person was my friend Dick Schroeder going to be at that moment? And that doesn't just happen. It doesn't just all of a sudden he does the right thing. It was as he submits his life to Jesus and allows Jesus to, to mold his life without vision. And he, he told me one time that he said, Lord, help me to be everything that you've designed me to be. And God began to use certain situations and circumstances to mold him in the scriptures and, and, the, and the disciplines in his life, the spiritual disciplines. 
and he found himself in a storm, but he had the, the Holy Spirit character, the keel that helped him guide him through his journey. And he's still in that storm. And so what happens when we're not prepared? I don't want to be on this, this boat, this sailboat, without a keel or rudder giving us direction. Without vision, the people perish. And that vision, you know, again, the boat analogy is we're using the keels and, and, uh, and the rudder. And, and there's certain parts of the boat that are, are strategic and we need them in storms of life. But God sees that. And he wants us to be all that we can be according to his plan. The vision is the ability to see where God wants us to go and be. God knows what kind of person he wants us to be. So it's not a, it's not a physical destination, it's a spiritual destination. And let me tell you something, and I shared this last week. Uh, the younger you are, the better that you get to it right away. Because the older you get, you seem to be certain bents, certain ways. And, and, and it's very difficult to change that direction. Not that the Holy Spirit can't, but it's, it's, that it's been set in its ways. And we talked about older folks that sometimes are just set in their ways. Little did they know that if they would have listened to the Holy Spirit 20, 30 years ago, they wouldn't be in their current situation. And I'm not talking about financial, although it, it would work financially that, you know, we have a destination where I want to be down the road. But spiritually, spiritually, what kind of person do I want? I believe God wants me to be down the road. And so it's important, without vision, the people perish. And we're going to talk about our church, the vision of our church here in a second. But where are we going spiritually as a person? How... Where are you going? If you're not dealing with the things that God has called you to deal with today, do you think that'll just get better throughout the years? You know, it might be a little thing today, but it might become a big thing down the road if you don't allow the Holy Spirit. If you cannot have the vision, if you don't recognize, Lord, I am blind in this area. You know, sometimes uh, in years past, my wife says, she used to tell me that I used to be uh, an angry dude, and I never believed it. I remember getting angry, but I never thought I was an angry person. I just thought I got angry at moments. And my wife, uh, before I got married, I didn't know it, although I should have known it. Um, I tried to kill people twice in my life before that. You'd think that would be a, a wake-up call. you think the Holy you know, I, was, I would listen to the Holy Spirit, and I wasn't. I just thought these situations were something, um, were just, it just triggered it. But the Lord began to speak to me of, through my wife of areas that I needed to, to see. And I didn't see it. And I still, and my, pride, my pride would not allow me to see it. Until one day I said, Lord, Lord, help me. Help me to see. I am blind. And that's one of our biggest challenges in our churches today is to, to convince people that they're blind. To convince people that they're blind, they can't see, and they need the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about the vision empowers us. We're going to move on. And vision empowers us. I, hear, I, have, I said this last week, but I want to repeat it. There's two Greek words used for the word word in the Bible, the word of God. It's, uh, we can either be talking about the logos of God or the rhema of God. The word of God or the rhema of God, the word of God. There's two terms in the Greek, both translated word. Logos reveals, uh, refers to the written word. 
the revealed word. We, we read in scriptures. And then there's the um, rhema word of God, which is the spoken word. But the spoken word never contradicts the logos word. So you can never actually hear the word like, oh, you should leave your family. It's, it's, that's contrary to the word of God. But there's a rhema word that refers to the spoken word of God. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a written word, but it's a specific word for, for his followers. It's, it's very real. It's, it's almost like you hear it audible, but you know in your spirit, it, it connects with your spirit. And that's the day that I remember the Lord telling me, Mario, I want you to, to work with your anger. Because I remember asking the Lord, you know, I, I went on a fast and I asked the Lord to deal with me, uh, try to figure out where my anger came from. And I really wanted to blame my parents. My dad was an angry guy when I, when I was young. Uh, I met my grandfather a few times. He seemed pretty angry, so I just figured it was a DNA thing. And so... Or I wanted to blame the scenario with my, my ear growing up, um, uh, just the challenges of going in the hospital all the time, I just figured, or being poor. I know some of you are, are, have, were raised poor. I was raised pretty poor in American standards. You know, we had a house and we had food. My parents had a car, but we were poor in my mind. You know, I had only one pair of pants and... Um, Actually, I had two, but one burned down when I washed it and dried it with an electric uh, uh, heater. Um, almost burned the house down. Corduroy pants. Do not put them next to uh, electric heaters, all right? I fell asleep. My brother woke me up. Your pants are on fire. We didn't have a dryer. So uh, when the Lord began to, you know, I was wondering about where my anger came from. I wanted to blame my culture. I wanted to blame, you know, Hey, that's just the Latin way, the Latin man way, or, or I wanted to blame my poverty, I want to blame my dad, I wanted to blame my, my, my financial situation growing up, and then the Lord spoke to me a rhema word. Because when I asked him specifically, Lord, where is my anger coming from? I used to blame food. I used to be hangry. Anybody hangry out there? I used to, my wife could tell immediately when I had not eaten lunch. But I wanted to blame food. I wanted to blame everything. But the Lord spoke to me, a rhema word. He says, Mari, it's you. It's you. Those things are triggering mechanisms for your anger, but you. And I believe God has helped me in that journey uh, to deal with my identity. It all was tied into my identity in Christ. I had on uh, someone a little bit of a little man syndrome, you know, uh, I remember getting angry and just trying to fight, and I just, why? Because my, my identity was not in Christ. My character was not in Christ. My character was dependent on my financial situation, dependent on my food situation, dependent on my, you know, my home situation. And that's not a life surrendered to the Holy Spirit. I had no vision, and I was perishing, and those around me were perishing. My wife... Um, you know, bless her heart, you know, how to deal with that. Now, in comparison, you're probably like, I wonder how bad he was. You can ask her, all right? You can ask her. We've been happily married. We've been married 31 years, uh, happily about seven. I'm just kidding. 
but that rhema word convicted me about anger. So without vision, the people perish. Without, you know, with you don't have, if you can't see clearly, you're going to perish spiritually. And the Lord will use people, will use that rhema word to help bring clarity so that you can see, so that you can see. Um, so again, rhema word. It's important to have a, a willing heart, a willing heart. Without vision, the people perish. Without vision, the church will perish. Without vision, the lost will perish. Without a vision, you and I perish. We will begin to have atrophy. And so we have to have a willing heart in order to say, God, change me. What do you want me to do, Father? You know, we talked about kneeling and spiritually kneeling and singing those songs, and we say, God, you're the king. If he's the king, then we are his subject. And if he calls us and he speaks to us, uh, and he says, in Psalms 25, the Lord confides in those who fear him, and he makes his covenant known to them. He begins to speak to us, but he wants us to walk in obedience. He wants us to walk in obedience. When we hear that rhema word, he wants us to walk in obedience. Last week I told you about my ear, how I cut my hair. And I still cut my hair short in order to continue to walk in obedience. Because he told me to cut my hair to expose my my ear surgery. But there's something that I I failed to tell you was that... um, I had no clue that what Jesus had in store for me, he never told me. When he told me, Mario, I want you to cut your hair, I, um, I, I, I was just obedient. I said, okay. But I had no clue. I was, it took me two weeks to walk in obedience because I was scared stiff that what was going to happen. But little did I know that when I walked in obedience, that what God was going to do in my life, he began, and I literally felt the day I was walking at the Governor's Square Mall after I got my, my hair cut, I literally could almost hear the chains of bondage falling off my life. The chains that I didn't even know were there. And I realized that later that God had something better for me than what I was holding on to. He had something better for me than what I was holding on to. I thought holding on and covering my ear was the best thing. And little did I know, just walking out of obedience, without vision, the people perish, and the Lord began to give me a a, a rhema word, and I began to walk in obedience. And God has a a work for us to do. My ministry changed that week without, it wasn't my intention. That was not why I cut my hair, but since I cut my hair, the ministry in my life had changed, and I would say for the better. But God is looking for willing hearts, and he wants to use you, even in your current condition. Isn't that crazy? Many of us were probably thinking, Lord, I can't be used. If Pastor Mario really knew my condition, my spiritual condition, he wouldn't ask that question to be used. But I believe God wants to use us all. We're all broken vessels, are we not? Uh, He didn't use me because I was unbroken. He used me despite being broken. And so I was just a willing vessel. And God has a work for us. Without vision, the people perish. And uh, those in your community, those your family in your community, and in our church. Are you open to new opportunities that he might show you as a church? Are you willing to venture where you may never have gone before? 
I believe that if God begins to speak to you as a family, as a person, and he, whether it's conviction or direction, that if we walk in obedience, uh, I believe that uh, life will come from that. But if we walk in disobedience and ignore his word, that there's this perishing, that we will miss out. Without a vision, the people perish. Without a vision, the church perishes. Without vision, the lost perish. And without a vision, you and I perish. And we begin to, I would call it atrophy. I don't know if you've ever been to rehab. Just raise your hand if you've ever been to rehab. I haven't. My mom's been to rehab. And I'm talking about physical rehab, not like like other rehabs. I went to see my mom after an accident she had. She had broken um, her her arm. And so they had to do some surgery. And so I went to visit her at this rehab center. She was there uh, staying. It was like a hospital. And every day, you know what they would do? They would take that arm and they would stretch that thing and they would begin to, begin to just exercise the arm. And my mom literally would cry from the pain. But they said, if we don't do that, her arm will be stuck like this. She wouldn't be able to drive. So although my mom struggled with vision at that moment, the rehab doctors could see on her behalf and saying, her name was Dolores, Dolores, if you don't rehab this arm, if you don't exercise it while it still hurts, while it's still in pain, uh, you're not going to reach the destination of her wanting to be independent and continue to drive. And I would say the same thing for our church. I love that, that picture of rehab is that I believe God in our church at Mosaic Church is a great place for people who have been hurt in the past or who have struggled in the past. I believe this is a safe church to be at. We love people uh, no matter what their circumstances are. But that doesn't mean we don't, uh, we just sit uh, and be idle. God wants to use us in spite of our pain, in despite of our pain in our situation. He wants to exercise that muscle, that spiritual muscle, because without vision, and so part of it now is we're trending over to the church, without vision, the people perish. And so if we're going to wait until we're totally healed, which we won't be healed without that exercise of, uh, of rehab, the spiritual rehab, that... Um, we're going to atrophy as a church. So if you're, if you're spiritually wounded today, um, you are welcome at this place. But if you're spiritually wounded, God wants to use you still in spite of your current condition. Now, of course, there's, there's limits in what we could do. My mom was limited in what she could do, but, and the doctors knew exactly what she needed, what kind of tension she needed, what kind of exercise she needed to move forward. And we must do the same. Where there's no vision, the people perish. And we, it doesn't take much of an imagination to know what that means, to perish. There's all sorts of levels of perishing. But perish in the sense to not reach their, their capacity, their destination, their spiritual destination. And the effects of that. If God had not spoken to me about my, search, you know, my anger, I believe it, ha- it would have a perishing effect on my children and our ministry. And on my wife and my family. 
It, I mean, it could go on and on. If God had not changed me, I don't think we would be here today. I think I would have progressively gotten worse. Where there's no vision, the people perish. When we have vision, lives are changed. I want to show you a video of, of uh, I'll show you in a second. It's one of my favorite videos that came across it years ago. Um, but when we have vision and all of us are in tune together and saying, God, I want to have your vision. I, I want to uh, begin to walk out the plan that you have for my life. And I want to live out that life in the family uh, of a church. And I want to uh, unite and have united vision of reaching our capacity as people. And in, in that part, we're also going to be reaching those around us. And it, instead of perishing, we're going to bring life to our own life, bring life to our church, and bring life to our community. We want to see our community uh, change for the glory of God. Amen? And that's why we're praying tonight. Part of that is the vision. And we know that doesn't happen without connecting with God and catching his vision and praying. So we're praying for the city tonight. We're praying for our community. We're praying for our homes and our families and our own lives tonight. We'll be singing and praying and believing God as we catch his vision for our lives and our church. A vision unites us. When you have a family that's united in vision, it's a beautiful thing. When you have a family that loves Jesus together, it's a beautiful thing. About five years ago, the missionary that's coming next week was here, and he spoke. And I remember it was one of the first times I really felt like, for the first time, I felt like uh, as a church, we, we got it. Everybody got it, not just a few people. It wasn't just a few people who responded, but everybody seemed to have got it. And it, you could just, I felt like, and I use the analogy, I felt like everybody in our church we were wrapped arm in arm, and we took a step together. You know how hard it is to do a three-legged race? It's hard. It's hard. Just think of us. Of all of us wrapped arms in arm today and we were to reach our destination, how difficult it would be. It is. Until you are in unison with the Holy Spirit and you begin to catch his vision and then we... All of a sudden, like, hey, you have the same vision. We're going in the same direction. We want to honor him. And all of a sudden, you find yourselves connected and in unity. And that's the power of the church. It's very difficult to move forward as a church when there is a different vision. Very difficult to, to move forward as a church if, if our commitment level is, is different. I'm going to pick on Michael here because he's a coach and he had his first game Saturday and they won. But um, I can't imagine what it would be like, Michael, if you had practice or even game time and half the team didn't show up. You know, your quarterback didn't show up. Your running back didn't show up. People that you depended on that didn't show up. It affects the team. It affects the team. So when we're spiritually not showing up, we're not physically showing up, it affects the team. So here's my favorite video. It's a cool video. Um... Hopefully it'll work. And um, I, I haven't checked all the audio on it, so I think it should be okay. But there's a competition of, I think it's, uh, I think it's 30, no, 15 people. I can't remember, but uh, there's a competition worldwide of a 15-person or whatever person 
three-legged race. This is the visual of I would like for our church to have one day, is that when we're united in vision and we're united in purpose, submitted to the Holy Spirit, you can go on YouTube and find other attempts are not as good as this one. Amen. And that's what a church can do together when we're united together, linked arms in arm with a common vision, common purpose, common uh, plan from our Lord as we submit to the Holy Spirit and we hear his rhema word, we can begin to live the life that God has called us. Where there's no vision, the people perish. What does perishing mean? It means to let the opportunities slip through the fingers because they fail to see them. Lord, help us to not lose the opportunities that you've given us because we fail to see it. Because we fail to see it. Heavenly Father, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to be part of your church. Lord, we ask that you would give us your vision. We don't want a man's vision. We want your vision. And Lord, when we know that when we adopt and, and begin to uh, put into uh, action your vision in our lives, the opposite effect of perishing happens, that life begins to happen, freedom begins to happen, joy begins to happen, peace begins to happen. But when we don't have vision, Lord, perishing happens, missed opportunities happen. And Lord, we're not living up to your design for our lives in our church. Lord, I pray, God, that in the next few weeks as we uh, begin a new semester at school, and, and Lord, we pray for the students and we, uh, for the, the, the upping of work at FSU and, and all those who are connected to FSU and TCC and FAM. Lord, I pray, God, that you would, as a church, would help us to be united under the Holy Spirit, that we would catch your vision, and Lord, that we would understand that you have a plan for our lives and a destiny and a purpose, and Lord, that we would live up to that. Lord, we pray, God, that you would speak to us individually a rhema word. Lord, whether a rhema word of direction of telling us to go and do this ministry or a rhema word of conviction and saying uh, that things in our lives have to change and to humble ourselves and seek the Lord. But Lord, we say thank you for the opportunity to live for you. Lord, we don't want to live a second, uh, third best rate life. Lord, we want to live the life that you've called us to. Lord, we don't want to live under potential, but Lord, to the potential you've called us to. We say thank you, Father. And Lord, thank you for your word in Proverbs. Without vision, the people perish. Lord, I thank you, Father, for your love. And I thank you for your kindness and your grace towards us. And Lord, I pray for our church, Mosaic Church, Lord, that you would uh, continue to use us. And, and Lord, help us to be all that you've called us to be. We need each other. We say thank you, Father. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. May the Lord be with you. He is risen. God bless you. We are dismissed. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. 
If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.